This week's podcast brought to you by Schwerfing. We were driving home. Uh, we were on the Mass Pike, and we stopped at the Gulf Station. The Gulf Station, and uh, I was in with our daughters, and they're choosing drinks or something. Snack aisle, right? <laughs> Snacks. All of a sudden, this guy, about 6'3", young, I'd say mid-20s, comes over. Running. Runs over to me and posts me up and says, I can post you up. And I went, wah! Because I was so startled at this stranger sprinting over to me and then making contact with me. And I... and then I think he felt bad because he just like started walking away. But I he was he was calling for an imaginary yeah. ball, was he? Yeah. So I, I yeah he's like he bodied me right up. I can post you up. I go wah as if I'm being assaulted, and then just like tapped him on the shoulder to let him know it was okay. But um, there's no such thing as just stopping for snacks at the Gulf Station. <laughs> Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. A lot has happened since last we podcasted. You and I flew to Washington, D.C. two Fridays ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I stopped as per my custom at Dunkin' Donuts on the way to the gate, and when I arrived at the gate with my donut, you were in conversation with uh, Sue Bird and the Seattle Stormer flying to Washington, D.C. on the same plane. Yeah, I'd called the Seattle at Connecticut game, Sue's last game at the Mohegan Sun on Thursday night. And then was going to be calling Seattle at Washington on Saturday. And so Friday, you and I were, were flying to D.C. because this is what it's come to. You and I never get a date night. We never get out. It just the schedules don't work or the babysitter's not available or whatever. And those are the, those are the words you use. I say, would you like to have dinner or go to a movie? And you say, the schedules just don't <laughs> just work. Just don't work. But, and that was a weekend where our babysitter was available. And I said, all right, well, she's available, so come to D.C. with me. And so we were getting ready to go to D.C., and as was the Seattle team. And uh, and so the whole team was on our flight, which was which was neat. Right behind us was Brianna Stewart and her wife, Marta, and their baby, beautiful little Ruby, um, who just slept the whole flight. She was incredible. And um, But we sat down and just see, like, player after player um, getting on the plane. And you were watching a storm game on your iPad to prepare for the game that you were calling in Washington. I and was. at one was, point, Sue said... I, well, I was sitting... Like, are you are you noticing anything? How's it going? And, yeah. and, and I said, well, she's only watching the game, so she doesn't have to talk to me. She could ask you what yeah, happened I, in the game. Just as it happened, I was sitting across the aisle from Sue, and um, yeah, at one point, I was watching Seattle's previous meeting with Washington, and when I was finished, Sue said... You know, did you learn anything? You could have just asked me. And I said, no, there's things I have to, like, see for myself. Confirm, <laughs> trust, but verify. Yes, there are things I have to see for myself. So um, We love going to D.C. Love D.C. And uh, we went to a, 
It was um, incredibly hot, but uh, as always. Uh, but I just love love that city. And we so we saw Top Gun Maverick. We did. At the theaters we fly across to from the arena. We to see yeah. Top Gun Maverick. Right, yeah. exactly. And um, we we saw a guy skateboarding on top of a on top of like a ten speed bicycle. I don't know if this is a thing. But it's it was a thing. I, hope, I don't know if it's a thing either. But we're we're driving down the street, and there's a guy surfing on his Schwinn, standing surf, surfing on his swim. Surfing. Her, his back leg was on his seat. Was the front leg just on the frame of well, the bike? We, we could, I couldn't figure out how he got the thing started. <laughs> I don't know, but I did get video of it, and so I'll post that on Instagram so people can see what we're talking about. Um, but uh, that was interesting. We we were staying at the hotel where I had gotten the nine dollar cup of coffee. This time you and I uh, left the hotel and went to a coffee shop around the corner and got much more reasonably priced cups of coffee. And in fact, the next morning I got you the same cup of coffee, but they didn't put any cream in it or didn't put enough cream in it. So you sent me to the lobby where they had a coffee station to get a cup of cream. And so I had to wait my turn in line. And um, there was a Japanese tourist in front of me. And when I waited my turn for the cream, I poured through in a... Mm -hmm clear plastic cup, an entire cup of cream that, that caused her to giggle uh, on the assumption that I was going to drink a cup of cream, drink a cup of cream which I was tempted to do. I'm stopping the fly. We've got flies all over the house here. So. Yes, not realizing that there was two cups of coffee back in our room that we were going to put the cream in. We had a, we had a great evening walk around the monuments. Um, and with all the security now, you know, it's Every time we go to D.C., it feels like you can get less and less close to the White House. Um, and I think I told you that uh, three people were killed by lightning, not when we were there, but around the time that we were there. I mm-hmm. think right after we came back, maybe, that weekend. And last summer, when we were there with the kids at Washington, we were, same thing. We were in the middle of the mall. Yeah, did we talk about that on a podcast? I don't know if we did, but, but we were caught in a sudden torrential downpour and lightning, and it was it, it was terrifying. There was there, no place to no place to go. You had to sprint quite a long ways to the nearest museum steps, and then get under an overhang. Uh, so, so I, I was not um, I wasn't shocked, I should say, when I saw that you know lightning had struck tourists. Uh, near the National Mall because we were in that last summer and it was it was terrifying. We uh, we had a, a really nice dinner out while we were in D.C. and um, you ordered a glass of wine and our, our waitress said, is it okay if I bring you a stemless wine glass? And, um, you know, I've seen and we have stemless wine glasses. It looks just like a wine glass I, I said, as without as, the stem. As long as you don't bring me a wineless wine glass, sure. <laughs> right. But... What we all kind of picture as a stemless wine glass was not quite. No, it was what it was the kind of the kind of in. glass that um, that old ladies soak their dentures in bedside in in commercials for like Fixident. Yeah, it. I, I took a picture of that as well. Actually, I'll post that too. It was it was odd. It wasn't a wine glass. Like she said, she was going to bring you well, a said, stemless said, wine glass. It, that wasn't said, a wine right, glass. I said, of course. Does, do, do people actually complain about that? Because of, they're easier to put in the dishwasher and all that, less breakable, I'm sure. And she says, oh, yeah, people all the time complain about well, that. Well, I could see why people would, like, you wouldn't, and I wouldn't. If I had gotten wine, I wouldn't really have cared what if she had, delivery if she had, mechanism If she had decanted it, it directly from the bottle into my gullet, I would have been fine have with cared. that. But it was, it was, 
not something that I would um, look at and say, oh, that's, that's a wine glass. But you're bearing the lead at dinner over your shoulder. So you, you were facing me, but I was facing looking past you as I tend to do to see if there's anybody more important in the room. Right. And there was a woman alone at the table with a, with a cocktail having, sharing that cocktail with somebody on her iPad who was also having a cocktail who just wasn't physically in the room, but she was FaceTiming somebody. And I found it fascinating. And you brought up later, that would be the equivalent uh, when we were kids, if you were in a restaurant and somebody had a corded tube TV set up on their table. You know when you used to have the little portable of course. TVs? The, yeah, long two t- tube TV, and just brought it and sat it on the table. And by the same token, everybody, you know, of course, everywhere has a phone on the table or on the bar, and that would be the equivalent of having the, the, the rotary dial phone with the 50 feet of coiled cord on every table. I'm just it's, it's how far removed we, yes. we are from how it used to be to just go out to dinner. Or I, I would love to see that scene in a movie, you know, a movie set in the 70s or 80s, or it could even be the 90s, I suppose, and just to, like, drive home the absurdity of it. And people are, you know, sit down in a diner, or for me it would be like a big boy restaurant or wherever, and all of a sudden they just out of their bag pull out like a rotary dial telephone, put it on their table. Someone pulls out the the portable TV puts it on their table or, because that's the equivalent or, of what we do now. If it were set as recently as like the year 2000, they'd have a big desktop computer on the table and they'd be b- dialing up to right, the internet right, to, right. to look up the sports scores or whatever, whatever right. people are doing on their phones right. at the and tables. Instead, it, it harkens back to when we, you and I went on an early breakfast date and you just pulled out the newspaper and that's, that's, opened it up that's and, what and we to need create to get, the barrier let's, between us. That's technological. Technologically, let's go back to that era when when you could ignore the person across the table from you with a print newspaper. I mean, that was that was living. That was living, and uh, and then when when we flew home, it was a beautiful, clear, gorgeous morning. Um, it's a short flight from D.C. to Connecticut. It's I think less than an hour. Well, can, can I just interrupt oh, before, before yes. we fly home? Yes. You you called the game on Sunday. Yes. Uh, Mystic Storm game. Yes. I was there. And I was wearing contacts, and so I brought my, my cheaters with me, my turquoise oh, right. yes. reading glasses. And, uh, and I said to you, or did I say to Holly Rowe? I can't remember. But that I said, these glasses, people you know, think that I went out and chose these, this pair of women's reading glasses. Or people think that these are my glasses, my prescription right. glasses. When I'm wearing my contacts and I have the glasses on, they just assume I chose a pair of, uh, you know, is there such a thing as women's glasses? These are. Women's glasses. Those are women's glasses. And, and, um, but no, in fact, I found them. And then I think you said, no, you didn't find them. You found them in our house, and they were given to you by Holly Rowe. They were given to me by Holly yes. because, uh, you know, she said, you, know, you could probably use a, p- a pair of reading glasses. And then I, I'm still on the verge, but don't quite need them. And so you so started I've, I've using them. them. So there I am with you and Holly, and we went out to. Uh, late late lunch after the game or early dinner and Holly's looking at the menu and I asked her if she would like to borrow no, she said she said I can't read the menu yeah. I said well would you like to borrow your reading glasses the ones that I've taken from her and in fact she immediately recognized them as her own and she put them on and said who wore it better so I will also post the pictures I took I just took one of you just as 
minute while you were speaking. I took one of Holly that day at the restaurant. I will post those as a who wore it better. I have to say, I wore these. I I, I was on a Zoom sometime in the last year and um, with a bunch of other people, and I had to put on the reading glasses to read something, and somebody on the Zoom said, bold choice, Steve. Right, right. Um, Sweet. So, so when we were flying home, this this beautiful, I guess. And, and I should say, I should say, George in Columbus. He sent me a pair of Schumers. Remember the Chuck Schumers? Yes. But these these the the Holly Rose uh, remain my my go to. Of course, you need several pair, but my go to over the Schumers. Um, so I guess it wasn't um, early. It wasn't a morning flight. It was an evening flight. Either way, we're flying back because it was after the game. After we'd eaten with Holly, and it's this beautiful night. And you know, it's it's. Even if you've done it a ton of times, landing at an airport or flying on a clear day, it's, it, there's just beauty outside the window. And so you had the window seat, so I'm looking um, a little out your window, and then across the aisle, because it's a small plane, uh, there was a woman, and she had her window shade down and was just, like, looking at photos on her phone. And I was just thinking, like, you can look at your photos on your phone. You can curate those later. Like there's a there's beauty and magnificence right now outside your airplane window. Like lift a, it so not only you can see it, so that I can see what's out the left side of the plane. And we're only a couple generations removed from the very first people who were able to look out their window at the clouds. Right. Right. And I think maybe we've talked about this in the podcast. Maybe we haven't. I don't know. But um, uh, okay, we did mention it. Saul Bellow writing that you know we are the first people to to have seen the clouds from both sides a, a phrase that Joni Mitchell was reading on an airplane and that expired expired inspired her to write uh, the song both sides now but yes your point is well taken get your nose out of your phone get your nose out of your phone and get it onto an iPad where you're watching a basketball game at 35,000 feet exactly <laughs> I feel like I've been on my own personal um, tour of calling Seattle Storm games because called the game in Connecticut, then called the game in D.C., and then just this past weekend I called the game in Seattle, Sue Bird's last regular season home game against the, the Las Vegas Aces. And uh, before we went to Seattle, um, our daughter was was playing in a in a basketball camp um, in New Jersey, so. All she's been asking, she turned 16 this coming week. She turned 16 tomorrow. And all she's asked for all summer when you'd say, what, you know, what do you want for your birthday? Can I go with you on a trip to Seattle? Can I go with you on a trip to Seattle? I don't know what it is that's planted the seed in her brain that she desperately wanted to see Seattle. But uh, she's been asking for that all summer. I can, I can tell you. The Space Needle. Just like when you're a kid and, and the Eiffel Tower fascinates you yeah. or, or some other, you know, the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was a source of fascination. Mm-hmm. The Space Needle, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, well, that was certainly her number one thing to do when we got there. So um, I'm, I'm sure that's it. So we said, you know what? Let's do this. Let's let I'll bring her with me um, to Seattle for the weekend. And um, even and then it became wow. And it's actually Sue Bird's last home game. This will be incredible. So, but first we're at a. She's she's going to be at a, a camp in New Jersey a couple days before the game, so it just makes sense for us after the camp to fly the next morning out of New York because there's a direct flight to Seattle. So figure out all the logistics. All right, rent a car, drive down, 
She participates in the camp. After the camp, we wait out traffic because traffic from, from this part of Jersey up to uh, JFK is going to be brutal. So we go see Top Gun Maverick, me for the second time, her for the first. Back in the rental car, drive to JFK, return the rental car, get on a tram, take it to the hotel. We've, we've booked you know a, a room at a hotel that's right next to the airport. I think you can say at the TWA the hotel. TWA that, that, hotel. That, that Denny Gallagher. Yes. Uh, Denny Gallagher suggested many years ago uh, be the host hotel for a B&C convention of sorts. It looks like this incredibly cool um, hotel. Catch me if you can era, golden yes. age of air travel. Just amazing. But most importantly for us, it's convenient. It's right next to the airport. We get there like 9.30 at night. We're going to get a good night's sleep. And then we're going to be raring to go the next day, the next morning when we fly to Seattle. Flight's not too early in the morning. It's a 7.30 fight. This is going to be great. So have returned the car, gotten on the tram, get to the hotel. It's so hot outside. Walk in and want to check in. And the guy says, "Um, I'm sorry, we have lost power and we can't check you in. But the, the bar is open if you want to go sit up there. And I'm thinking, oh, amazing. So I can go sit at the bar with my not yet 16-year-old daughter. So not quite sure what to do. I text you, let you know what has happened. So you start researching all of the other airport hotels or hotels near JFK. Every place I looked at was fully booked. Everything's booked. And... We were sitting, we're just hearing people, and, and then now there's more people, more people, more people trying to check in, and of course they can't. So I go back, and, and the guy at the front desk is pretty friendly, and I just said to him, I'm trying to cut my losses here. Like, how long has power been out? And he said, power's been out about an hour. I found out later that wasn't quite true. It had been a couple of hours. And I said, you know, do you have any idea of when it come back might come back on? He said, well... It's usually on quicker than this. Our tech must have written, run into some problems. So remember, nope. And the usually. airport still has power, but just because you can see the airport from the hotel. So and and stuff around it has power. It's not that the power has been lost in that area. That hotel has lost power. So it's hot because the AC is not working, and people are just like getting a little more irritable. I hear a guy next to me. Um, say he's been trying to get back home to Phoenix for four days. Uh, Multiple flights had been canceled. He said even one of them had gotten out onto the runway and had to turn around and come back because of some issue with the plane. So at least we weren't in that boat. But it's getting later and later and later. And I'm just sitting there thinking, uh, I don't want to spend the night. This will like sort of ruin the weekend (laughs) if we spend our first night without any sleep here. So finally, get a think of the places I've stayed in the area and uh, get a hotel in Brooklyn, which is not that far. It's like 15 miles, but it's going to be a 45-minute ride. So decide to do this. Pull the trigger. I book the hotel room. I walk up to the front and tell them, this is my name. I need to cancel our, our reservation here. Call the Uber. The Uber is literally a minute away when all of a sudden, boof, the power comes back on at the hotel, partially at least. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm not willing to roll the dice anymore. So our daughter and I get in the car, Uber to Brooklyn, check into the hotel there. We lay our heads down on the pillow now. It's midnight. 
and have to get up. Our daughter sets her alarm for 4.30 because we have to leave the hotel at 5. It's because you're worried about traffic and stuff to get back to the airport. Instead of being adjacent to the airport now, our nice night's sleep that's leading into this week, you know, this week uh, weekend away. And keep in mind, our daughter had been in a like a 95-degree unair-conditioned gym from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. All she wanted to do as we're, as we're sitting there through this misery, she's just like, I just want to shower. I just want to shower. And, uh, but anyway, so wake up the next morning, 4.30, get on the plane, land. It's, it's really remarkable. Land in Seattle at like 10 a.m. And then we're off and running and had an incredible weekend. A First great thing you time. did was go to the Space Needle, right? Well, n- no. Our hotel, though, was... You could see the Space Needle out of the window. So um, first thing we did was kind of rest and get some food. Um, but she, our daughter did go in, up into the Space Needle. She actually went with Holly and on a beautiful day. The weather out in Seattle was spectacular. Um, our, our 11-year-old asked I'm sorry. Me did why, I say our 11-year-old? No, no. You said no. I just said I'm our saying, daughter. I just said oh, okay, our 11-year-old. Okay. Our 11-year-old asked why didn't they eat in the restaurant of the Space Needle? I said, there's a restaurant in the Space Needle? She said, yeah, everybody knows that. It spins around while you're eating. And I said, I'm guessing it probably slowly rotates right. uh, to to change your view because if it spins around while you're eating, uh, that, that actually sounded like fun to, to our 11-year-old. Not so much uh, But yeah, I said, uh, maybe slowly rotating, yeah, spinning around, not so much. Yeah, so you can get in an elevator, buy a ticket, get in the elevator, go up, and, and so they did that. And I was thinking the last time I've actually eaten in that restaurant, Jennifer Rosati and I, years and years ago, late 90s, it must have been, it was before I hurt my knee, um, went out to Seattle for two weeks. I think it was in... February or March and we in the morning would do these conditioning sessions and in the evening we would work with Pete Newell um, on uh, or Tom Newell uh, Pete Newell's son on basketball skills and uh, while we were out there every single day it rained and uh, while we were out there though one night we went to the Space Needle and um, ate dinner in the spinning restaurant. Uh, Before we get to viewer mail two things real quickly Um, in the past week Vin Scully died the great Dodger announcer for 67 years. He was 94 years old, and um, I loved the guy. Had several long conversations with him over the years. He was always ridiculously nice, but um, quickly one time he called a number that I didn't recognize um, on my phone. I answered, and he said, Steve, this is Vin Scully. And I said, oh, of course, Vin. Uh, Who else could that voice belong to? And he laughed, and he said, well, I, I always introduce myself to people because I never know who knows who's going to know who I am and uh, you know unmistakably that voice could only belong to him probably the greatest voice in uh, broadcasting certainly my favorite baseball announcer of all time and um, a buddy of mine who grew up in LA was at a wedding I think it was Vin's daughter's wedding and after a few beers he and his buddies tried to get Vin to try to play him like a jukebox and get him to do their favorite calls of his the their most favorite, of course, uh, in the year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. Kirk Gibson's home run off Dennis Eckersley in Game One of the nineteen eighty eight World Series, and then gracious always, but he just laughed and and declined to to sing the hits for them. And um, I was wondering, you don't really have a signature call. You're not you're not a play by play person, right? I do, but not but know. would you react well to that to people coming up to you and asking you? You know, to pull the string and 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 say your most famous phrase. Um, 
I, I don't know how I would react. I'll let you know if it ever happens. And then the next day or that night, I can't remember the chronology. We were away for two days and um, fortunately had our laptops and stuff with us. Uh, uh, Paige Becker's tore her ACL, right? Yes. So what's um, just to... to uh, so anyway, to preempt any uh, viewer mails about that, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it's it's heartbreaking for her um, and for UConn fans, of course. Um, you know, she worked so hard to get back healthy from her from her previous knee surgery this season, and now won't play this year. Um, but she's such a resilient kid; it's such a hard worker, and she healed really well from the previous injury. Um, I think she was up on campus. The team was playing pickup, you know, as you do, um, throughout the course of the summer, and uh, and and heard it again. So, um, you know, that's obviously devastating for her. It's it's uh, a huge blow for the UConn women's team because um, she's, you know, two years ago was the best player in the country. So, um, it's going to impact them. Are, are they still? Do they still have enough? And are they still capable? Uh, at least at this point of the year. To, would we think to go to a Final Four? Absolutely. They've gone to 14 in a row. Um, but uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting year in stores. And so let's get to viewer mail. Um, first, before I read a viewer mail, I, somebody on Twitter, I, I wish I could remember who, they'll know who um, replied to something recently, uh, replied to something you had mentioned on the podcast. I think it was re regarding your distaste for elevators. But he had said he once rode on an elevator with Tiny Tim. And it made me curious for our listeners, you know, what was your best, weirdest, most interesting celebrity encounter? Doesn't have to be in an elevator, of course. Probably isn't in an elevator. But of course, it could be in an elevator. Yeah, well, if, if, it, if it was in an elevator, one of the weirder ones were at the Victor Awards. Uh, I was just out of college. It's a black tie event in Vegas, and I'm on an elevator. My mom was my guest, and uh, Robert Goulet was on the elevator. Robert Goulet, who Robert I was, Goulet. who I was aware of, but you know, my mo he was more of my mother's generation, so she was very aware of him. And um, I don't remember exactly what happened. I just know whatever he said or did. Um, made my mother not a Robert Goulet fan ever again. <laughs> I don't know what he said or did, it was, but there's something. But he said something about your mother's daughter, I believe. I, I, he may have, and uh, and she was not particularly fond well, of we've got, whatever we, it was. We have uh, places to go and people to see, which means kids to pick up from various places. So let's get on with We have a lot of viewer mail because it's a two-week lint trap of, of viewer mail piling up here. Are you ready, Rebecca? I'm ready. Stephen, with a V, writes, Steve, I thought of you uh, correcting Twitter's grammar, not silently, though. And there's a screenshot of somebody on Twitter. Twitter, the official handle of Twitter, at Twitter, uh, says, Wishing everyone with less than 350 followers a very nice day. And the comment immediately below that is from uh, uh, at... AJK writer who responds fewer than so I applaud that correcting Twitter's grammar with fewer than 350 followers um, our next viewer mail comes from uh, Ralph not the one from Maryland 
as he writes, he signs off Ralph, parentheses, not the one from Maryland. Mm -hmm. Ralph writes, Hiya, Steve, I was listening to an interview with Tim Kirchian, and he spoke about the time you and he were challenged to a basketball game by Adam Sandler and another guy who he described as the worst player he'd ever encountered. Please tell me your recollection of this game. I look forward to my friend Sam Farmer joining the podcast again. Thanks for all the two of you do. Um, Real quickly, Ralph, not the one from Maryland. Tim and I were playing uh, pickup basketball while we were shooting around at the Reebok Club on the Upper West Side of Manhattan the day of the final game of the 2003 World Series. The Marlins ended up beating the Yankees that night. And uh, we were the only two in the gym. A third guy came in. It was Adam Sandler. He said he didn't challenge us to a game. The three of us said a fourth guy came in. We should play two-on-two. Finally, a 17-year-old kid named Mikey came in. And uh, not a great player, but a large physical specimen. And every time the ball would roll to the other end of the gym, we were playing half court, obviously. Adam Sandler, who was t- teaming, teamed up with, with a kid who introduced himself as Mike, would say, Mikey, go get the ball. You know, we're old. You go get it. So he would go. Mikey, who is now, what, 36? Well, he was 17 then. So, yeah, okay. 36. Uh, and we played for a couple of hours. And Tim can shoot the lights out. Adam Sandler was a pretty decent player. At one point, we all stood around, you know, at a break and and trying to palm the basketball. And Sandler was finally able to palm the basketball, and we all kind of stood there in awkward silence. Then he made a funny comment that I'm not going to repeat here about how sad it was that he was trying to palm the basketball. But my favorite bit of that day was that night was the World Series, and I go to Yankee Stadium with my uh, colleague, now editor at Sports Illustrated. You, were you there to cover it? Or yeah, I was there okay. to cover it. I was writing a column. And uh, as we're walking through the press gate, you know, a crowd is cleared and a, uh, a bodyguard, is big burly security guy, is walking in with Adam Sandler. Now, this is four hours after we finished playing basketball. But I said, hey, Adam, nice, nice basketball game today. And he turns to me and he says, oh, you were great. And your buddy, that guy can really shoot. So, I mean, we have this quick exchange, and then he's, he's uh, pressed through the crowd with the, with the security guy. And my colleague, also named Steve, turns to me and says, how the hell do you know Adam Sandler? <laughs> and I just laughed. I said, oh, we, it's a long story. We go way back. You know, We go way back to 2 o'clock this afternoon. But, but anyway, yeah. Who that's won the, the games, by the way? Did you and Kirchin win? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Yes, but Sandler, he's he's a he's a pickup he's a pickup uh, basketball player. He's he's he was legit, and um, and uh, yeah, it was it was. Uh, and that night, um, as I say, the Marlins beat the Yankees. Uh, Noah in Tacoma, Washington, writes: Dear Stephen Rebecca, for reasons known only to her, my mother insisted on giving me an adult multivitamin every morning with my breakfast as a child in early to mid eighties. Do you remember the smell and taste of those vitamins? Oh, they're the Worst, the worst. An adult one, though. I mean, I, you know, Flintstone vitamins and that. But I mean, and adult multivitamins now are horrendous, horrific. I mean, but who, even who, then who, they were. And, but and did, like, you didn't get an adult one as and, a kid, and did the you? The adult, the adult, the the sometimes later on when when you would burp. Yeah. Or as oh, my gosh, grandmother yeah. would say when something would repeat on yes, you. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, awful. Well, the easiest way, writes Noah, of disposing of these revolting stomach-churning pills was to stuff them deep into the frame. <laughs> Of the living room sofa. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would wedge my hand into the crack where the seat and back of the sofa came together and make my daily deposit. This went on for a few years. Well, you know how deep that deposit can get because not, he's not talking about just putting it under the cushion, but he's right. talking about where the where the, the back of the sofa and, the, and the, yes. the seat of the sofa meet unupholstered. 
You can bury you could Jimmy Hoffa in there. <laughs> Eventually, the day came when my parents bought a new sofa, and the old one was passed on to a friend of my sister. I was told afterward that when they lifted the thing up, there was an incredible sound of hundreds of multivitamins <laughs> cascading through the frame of the sofa <laughs> from one end to the other. I imagine it sounded like a very large version of an aboriginal rain stick, and that the smell was incredibly pungent. <laughs> They were unable oh, I to didn't even think <laughs> about the smell. Oh. They were unable to understand what had happened until I filled in the gaps a day or two later. If my mom would have just given me a Flintstones chewable vitamin, she would have saved herself a lot of grief. Noah, to come Washington, and, and from what I can tell from this uh, hilariously written email, Noah's he's fine. <laughs> he didn't need the multivitamin, right? Clearly. And the sofa, of course. Uh, oh, that's that's fantastic. That's Paying hilarious. out like a slot machine when they when they take it away. Thank you, Noah. Ken, uh, Ken here in Connecticut writes, Steve and Rebecca, I'm not sure if you've noticed the attached turtle crossing sign in the town next to ours. Um, I, I have not, in fact, but Rebecca, in the town next to ours, there is, is a turtle, turtle crossing? crossing sign. I have not seen it. Rebecca, thanks for sharing the wonderful stories of the trip to California. I'm wondering if your daughter finally appreciates the benefits of having you as an all-star mom. Thanks, Ken. Uh, again, I ask, as I've done before, how do the turtles know it's a turtle crossing? Exactly. You know? Yeah, uh, but it, it has your daughter uh, does your daughter finally appreciate the benefits of having an all-star mom, Rebecca? And and forgive the uh, the sound of the mower outside. Um, the answer is no. No, and um, although I think our soon-to-be 16-year-old did a little bit because um, after the uh, after the the game in C- in Seattle that she was able to attend, um, there was a little reception. And uh, she got to see Sue and Brianna Stewart and Gabby Williams and Tina Charles, all players that she loved watching when they were wearing a Yukon uniform, um, and Jewel Lloyd and, and a bunch of the players from Seattle. Um, she loves the WNBA. She, yeah, our, our soon-to-be 16-year-old is a huge WNBA fan. You know, she'll say, you'll ask her who her favorite player is, and she will name a variety of players on a variety of different teams who's your f- favorite team she'll name multiple teams she just loves watching and and um her mother played for the liberty she's like going to liberty games she she goes to minnesota every summer she's loved going to links game she loves going to seattle with you she, she complained that she going to, couldn't go to washington yeah, with us she loves the connecticut sun john quill jones i think is probably her favorite player but it could be nafisa collier it could be sylvia files it could like it could be could be could be tina charles all these players so um Anyway, she certainly um, was was appropriately thrilled to uh, to get a chance to, to to see some of the players she so enjoys watching. Tanya from Troy, our resident energy efficiency advisor, writes: "Restiva, I'm catching up on some summer podcasts to regain my completionist status. I've refrained from commenting on the turtle series until now. I'm 38. My turtles are 29 and 25. Wow. Wow." Now, our son, and, our son and I, this weekend while you were gone, watched on AMC a Rocky Marathon. Mm-hmm. Rockies 2, 3, 4. We skipped 5. Rocky Balboa, Creed 1, we watched on demand, and now Creed 2 is next. And the original turtles that he buys from Adrian in the pet shop in Philadelphia mm-hmm. were still alive. And I believe as recently as... Rocky Balboa, or or even Creed, I'm not sure. The, the Nip and Tuck, I think, were their names. Um, so turtles of a long time. My turtles are 29 and 25, writes Tanya. I received my older turtle as a ninth birthday present in 1993. She's doing well and has only needed one vet trip. The other was my brother's that somehow became mine at some point in later college years. 
though I have no recollection of how I ended up with both, but I do recall at some point I came home and my bigger tank had been hijacked and they had formed a bond before it was time for her and I to return home. So while I agree two is better than one, they do lay eggs, gross tank cleanup, and do seem to live forever, if well cared for. They're great pets as my turtle, Myrtle the Suburban Turtle, which was an ironic name because we lived in NYC when I was a kid, and can be handled if trained, but they aren't great pets for everyone. I applaud you recognizing they aren't the pet for you. Even my parents are shocked they're still alive. I've, I, I have written them into my will. Tanya from Tri... I wonder if Tanya is giving her turtles, uh, Myrtle the Suburban Turtle, a multivitamin. <laughs> I don't know, but even as much as I love... I, I love our dogs, and, and as a kid, I loved pets. I don't know that I would want a pet for 29 years. Oh, Life I, changes. I, There's a lot that, that changes. I, I think the cycle of pets life, life should comes, be shorter than that. Life comes at you fast, but turtles do not. <laughs> right. Thank you, Tanya. Is that an uh, awful thing to say? No, no, it's a truthful thing to say. Okay. And the truth is sometimes awful. Yeah. This is removing you one degree from being personally awful. This is okay. circumstances are awful. Okay. Uh, Michael in H- Higashi Hitachi Kitazawa. Hello, Michael. Writes, uh, Dear Stephen Rebecca. It's been a while. Greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. As always, I hope this finds you well. To begin, when discussing how to introduce your son to possible salutations on an iPhone, I was pleased with Steve's enunciation of Moshi Moshi. Nihon Gojozu. Your Japanese is excellent. Although I'm sure I butchered. Uh, I think that's a great way to teach our son as he goes off to his freshman year of high school. That any time you answer your phone, you should say, "Moshi, moshi." <laughs> I, I was in Japan many times for a while, and, and then not at all for like the last, I don't know, twenty years or something. We should we should uh, rectify that, Rebecca. Okay. Had Steve said mushi mushi, he would have been saying insect insect, and that probably would not have had the desired effect. Although. Why not? I just like that. Our you know, if you our, say our, if you if you answer the phone, mushy mushy, insect insect, your yeah. phone has been bugged. Uh, <laughs> I just like that our our quick uh, getaway to Washington D.C. has uh, motivated and inspired you to say, let's we should rectify that. We should go to Japan. We should. Can we get a sitter for a week and a half? <laughs> To close, I grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut, and went to high school and, univer- and university there. Your brief mention of Frank Pepe's pizza brought an unexpected and immediate strong tug of my heart and stomach. It is my favorite pizza, specifically, Rebecca, the white clam pizza. Oh, my Who mother, loved the white clam pizza? Ruth Ann Lobo loved white clam pizza. Oh, man, did she love did She, she loved love white it? clam like I love White Castle. Oh. Even though it is now franchised, Frank and his pies have yet to reach these distant shores. Keep happy and healthy, I remain, Michael. Well, Michael, one of those franchises that did reach your distant shore, have I talked about this on the podcast, Rebecca? I don't know. Is uh, Tony Roma's ribs. And my father, who had to go to Japan, I say had to because he didn't love it, twice a year for years in in the magnetic tape business, competing with JVC and TDK and... Sony, uh, he he would always eat at uh, Tony Ro- the Tony Romo's in Shinjuku when he was in Tokyo, mm. and so when we went to Tony Romo's in Bloomington, as a family, he embarrassed and horrified us all when he asked the sixteen-year-old waitress from Jefferson High School, "Have you ever been to the Tony Romo's in Shinjuku?" I have been to the Tony Romo's in the Canary Islands. You have? Mm-hmm. There's a Tony Romo's in Grand Canaria. It is. There is. Yes. There was. 
I shouldn't. There was 20 years ago. I don't we know we should make our, our retirement plan to uh, see all of the world's Tony Romas. There you go. With Tony Romo. We might need multiple babysitters. Phil writes, uh, our next viewer mail comes, Phil writes, he writes his own introduction. I like this. So Phil, Phil writes, our next viewer mail comes from Phil in Lincoln, California for the second week in a row. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Thanks for reading my viewer mail last week about the sports bra in Portland. As Steve was transitioning to the next viewer mail, he threw out the question to let him know what my favorite craft beer is. I first took this as a polite throwaway comment, but then realized that if I wish to maintain my resident craft beer snob position, I must reply. And now I get a taste of what Steve and DGS deal with as I am now writing, quote, on deadline. Before answering the question, some background. At the annual Westminster Dog Show, prizes are awarded for 200 different breeds of dog. At the Great American Beer Festival, prizes are awarded for more than 100 styles of beer. So styles of beer are analogous to dog breeds. I have difficulty comparing my favorite Kolsch to my favorite IPA, but to directly answer Steve's question, my favorite style of beer is the West Coast IPA. It's like the West Coast offense in football, Rebecca. It looks like it looks like an offense, but it's actually the West Coast offense. Okay. Okay. Phil doesn't write this. I'm saying this I'm, part. You're, right you're now. equating the, the beer to West Coast the IPA, West Coast okay. the West Coast offense. Right. Here are my favorite IPAs. Are you ready for Phil, our resident craft beer experts' favorite IPAs? Yes. Slice Brewery, Lincoln, California. After School Special. What a great name. After School Special. Lost Coast Brewery in Eureka, California. Revenant. Russian River Brewery in Windsor, California. Pliny the Younger. Orono Brewery in Orono, Maine. Tubular. And the Alchemist in Stowe, Vermont, Hetty Topper, actually an East Coast IPA. I think Hetty Topper is uh, your brother Jason, one of his uh, all-time favorites, and he's an IPA uh, MBA. He's got an MBA in IPA. Shifting to a new topic, I just finished watching the ESPN movie Dream On. That's the documentary on Rebecca's 96 Olympic team. Rebecca has given me a signal that we have you have to go pick up our son I do. at basketball practice. So... Um, let me get Phil's review okay. of Dream On next week. We'll go to doc- that'll give him three weeks in a row in viewer mail. Yes, he won't have to write on deadline for next week. We'll go to Doctor Siegel now, and we've got a lot of viewer mail, so let's let's do extra viewer mail next week. Perfect. Okay, and um, and go to Doctor Siegel now. Okay. Perfect. And then you can get out of here. We we'll promise to get you out of here. So. Uh, Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Siegel, while the entire Formula One circus, as they are called, take a forced three-week break before resuming, I'm still here at the keyboard having been entertained by yet another podcast. As I type, I know that shopping and organization have already commenced in the Russian household, and I can only wonder which daughter will appropriate for herself your oldest daughter's room. Well, that's an easy one to answer. Our junior-to-be has already measured the curtains and will be moving in the, the day that our eldest daughter moves out, and our eldest daughter is not at all happy about that. No. Um, I'm the youngest of three and shared a bedroom with my brother. I certainly took control of my nine-year-old sister's bedroom as soon as she went away to the good old University of Georgia. Those were the good old days of the 60s. Uh, his nine-year-old sister went to the University of Georgia, Rebecca. That's impressive. Doogie Hauser-like uh, academic prowess. I'd say. The only news to report, aside from the shock news in Formula One this past week, using the vernacular of the English announcers and press, is that Mrs. DGS and I went out to dinner to celebrate our 42nd anniversary. Congratulations. Congratulations. As you mentioned in last week's pod, Buckhead is the place to be in Atlanta. Of course, there are other places, but we happen to have a gift card for a Buckhead like a Buckhead Life restaurant, which is a venerable group of restaurants that has been around for decades. So we sipped our drinks on patio overlooking Peachtree Street in Buckhead in 85-degree heat and attendant humidity at the group's Restaurant Francais Bistro Nico before enjoying a nice French meal. 
While here is the latest Formula One news and commentary, I know that your smart viewers can watch the races on ESPN ABC and find news immediately on the internet. Nevertheless, here we go. One, Red Bull Racing's reigning champion Max Verstappen has a significant lead over his nearest rival, Charles Leclerc. He seems destined to repeat the championship by his consistency of winning or placing himself on the podium in almost every race. Two, for long-suffering Ferrari fans who have not had a championship since 2007, Ferrari is just being Ferrari. They do have the fastest car, and Leclerc is a fast driver, but they've had a sad combination of failures, an unforced driver error while leading a recent race, and poor pit tire strategy on more than one occasion. Red Bull has a winning pedigree, and to win, you must have all facets of the team flat out and virtually flawless. Ferrari's time to win is near, but it is not 2022. Three, Mercedes, a team with a winning pedigree as well, has made a steady progress to be almost as fast as Red Bull and Ferrari. And perhaps on a given day, Lewis Hamilton will win a race, as he's not gone a season without a win since his rookie year of 2007. My son and I watched that first win in person in Montreal, which is a great race to attend from the United States. Similarly, fast teammate and fellow Englishman George Russell is also driving well, with both finishing on the podium with enough frequency to threaten Ferrari for second place in the Constructors' Championship. Those points ranking at season's end determine the distrib distribution of prize money to the teams. Four, and penultimately, Rebecca, Shock News announced just before the last summer race at the I don't, at the Hungaro Ring in Budapest, quadruple world champion Sebastian Vettel, an incredibly good man, announced his retirement at season's end from the Aston Martin team. Rebecca, you long to go to the Hungaro Ring in Budapest, don't you? Mm, I do. Five, Monday morning, uh, August 1st, shock news during the first day of the summer break. 41-year-old double world champion Fernando Alonso, currently at the Renault team that is called Alpine, which is about fourth or fifth fastest, was immediately announced to replace Vettel at Aston Martin racing for 2023 in a multi-year deer deal. This retirement and move that involves six world champions SIPs will doubtless begin what is annually called the silly season during which drivers and cars are matched up for one for the next year. It proves to be intriguing with a talented Formula 2 champion waiting for a seat in Formula 1 and ever popular Daniel Ricciardo struggling mightily despite some flashes of brilliance at McLaren. Lest I forget, on the day when the MLB trade deadline occurred, the hometown Braves locked up all-star hot corner man Austin Riley to a long-term contract and yet, Dr. Siegel, I can say with the benefit of hindsight, the Braves languished seven games behind the New York Metropolitans after um, getting pretty much handled by them this weekend at City Field. Rebecca? All the best. Gary with two R's, not on summer break. P.S. I'm sorry that I can't sort out how to make the font size and darker color all be uniform, but I can But I can deliver a baby. Dr. Siegel's uh, <laughs> emails often look like a uh, ransom note in different fonts. Uh, different sizes, and of course, he always helpfully boldfaces any what any a, pretentious French what, phrases. What an incredible mic drop! At the end of anything, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you boil water? Can you make this? Can you do the laundry? Whatever. No, but I can deliver a baby. Gary, you know I mean? could you uh, please uh, take out the trash? No, I can't actually, Mrs. <laughs> DGS. But I can deliver a baby. Uh, and I have to pick up our son. So you have on to deliver a baby note, here. Denny, thank you, as always. And Tom, Dick, and Hari, please play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane 
six of us and the family pet living cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.